And we are back. For first-time listeners, I will say welcome. And for the rest of you, I will say welcome back. Um, just a follow-up from last week's show. Um, Luke Jackson has finally decided to lock in a date for his 5575 challenge, which is five miles every five hours for 75 hours. Um, and that will start on the 21st of May at 9am. And there's a few ways you can support the cause, and that is he set up a GoFundMe page. Uh, just search Luke Jackson and you'll, you'll find the 5575 challenge. Uh, you could also buy a limited edition T-shirt from Powerbox, and that's power without the E. Um, or otherwise, if you're feeling like getting fit, you can uh, join him for some of these runs. He'll uh, start between Cathedral and Palmer Street in the city, and that's obviously in Sydney, Australia. And, yeah, we wish him the best of luck. But uh, today I have a long-time friend. Well, I, I, I will say we started on, on, on a rocky road. Uh, my first six months with this guest was uh, him yelling at me at 5 a.m. in the morning, pretty much every morning, uh, before ordering a hit. Uh, he's the head coach for the Warrior Training Academy, uh, the longest-running Wimp to Warrior series, father of fr three, and I don't know, what else could I say? How have you been? Very good, very good. Um, pleasure to be here, very nice to... To be out again, a little bit of let up on the, the lockdown restrictions in Sydney. Um, so yeah, it's nice to be out and happy to be here chatting. And it's pretty crazy, right? So <coughs> you, you've you've had a bit of a uh, path at the moment. You um, started a uh, long time ago with, I guess, Richard Cranny uh, at a Brooklyn gym. I mean, Brooklyn gym. Let's see, this, this, this is me going to the States every couple <laughs> of years. Brookvale gym. <laughs> Um, before venturing out and starting the Warrior Training Academy. Uh, and recently, before this lockdown period, you had found what we now call the home of the uh, WTA Training Academy, which is now back at Brookvale. Um, but how's life? Yes, yeah, it's, it's good. It's definitely been a, an interesting time. Um yeah, way back 2015, um, I went, finally made the, the transition in, in career and in life, really, to go from working commercial fitness and part-time martial arts to make it full-time martial arts. Um, I went to work with, with Richie and his academy in Brookville, and unfortunately that business venture didn't, you know, it didn't go the, the way he'd hoped with it, and you know, that, that, that gym closed its doors, but it also opened up a, a, a door for myself and went into went into partnership with Tiago Braga from Legacy Jiu-Jitsu, based here in, in Sydney. And, yeah, we we went into, into partnership and opened our, our academy together. My my first martial arts academy, he's, he's done many. Um... But yeah, the first first venture for me into gym ownership and in you know in the uh, the, the field that, that I knew of fitness, but 
the passion which uh, I've had lifelong almost of of martial arts. So, you know, it's it's always sad when when one venture doesn't go and one person's dream doesn't take the path it was, you know, it was set out on. But um, you know, Richie moved in a, a very positive direction to to take Wimp to Warrior to the you know the the global monster that it's become now. It's you know it's it's just having amazing success the world over, and very very fortunate that that we're still able to be you know be a part of that and and run such a a strong um, series out of the, the the academy. So yeah, myself and Tiago we 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 took on a, an academy and. Less than, you know, less than perfect circumstances, but I don't think anything in life ever has perfect circumstances as I'm, you know, as I'm learning as I get older. But um, it's, you know, it, it, we, we we played the hand that was dealt to us and it's worked out very well for us to, to the point that, you know, three and a half years later, we've moved into, as you mentioned, we've moved into a new, a new facility in Brookvale and... You know, really, you've been able to to step a, a much much closer to the gym that we wanted, the gym that that we you know we we envisioned, and the the place that we want to be. So yeah, I mean, it's it's been a you know sometimes tough road, but uh, certainly a a massively rewarding one. And um, you know, now we've got great gym, great facility, and you know, an outstanding community behind us who have stuck with us through the, the tough times and now we're, you know, we're certainly back on a, a, a more positive path now. And great location, great gym, but what was it? It was two months that you, you'd opened the doors at the new premises before before COVID came and, and told you to shut shop again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we opened, um, we had a sort of very soft opening just the, the, the week of... Christmas into New Year 2020, and, um, you know, there was a lot of renovation, a lot of building work done, and we opened doors properly after the the Christmas break, which would have been right about, I think, 6th, 8th of January, from memory, and, you know, we got a, we got a good roll going, and then March 18th, um, COVID was obviously starting to, to have a much bigger impact here in Australia, and we spent a couple of days that week, the Monday and the Tuesday, with some, you know, very tough conversations and decisions to make. And myself and Tiago, and he was consulting with the other legacy academies. And we decided as a, you know, as a group that we really, we had to take the step to shut the academy due to the the the, the evolution that, was appearing in front of us of the, the the virus, and you know it was man, it was tough. <laughs> it was really tough. We we were back and forward. You know, what's it going to do? How's it going to affect the members? How's it going to affect the business? Obviously, you know, I've just opened a new gym, and you know, a, a financial outlay that goes with that. But the bottom line of it was that we we absolutely felt that we had to. We had to make that move because, you know, from what we we understood at that point in time, the the nature of what we were doing was very very high risk in terms of transmission, and you know it wasn't just about 
the, the, the people in the gym, it was about the wider community, the, the people who train with us, their families, and, you know, one person in a, a, a jiu-jitsu grappling Thai boxing environment gets, um, you know, gets the, 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 the virus and it spreads so quickly, such close contact. So we, you know, we made that decision that on the 18th of March we were going to close the doors ahead of any... Um, you know, government indication at that point, but the you know the the, the community feel was that it, it had to be done, and at that point we you know we communicated it was going to be for two weeks. We we were we were very hopeful that you know things would would pass, and fourteen days later we'd be able to open the doors again, and it you know we 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 knew we knew there was a real chance it may get a little bit beyond that, and. I don't think any of us really envisaged it becoming, you know, the the, the global situation that it, that it has become, and and just how severe things were going to get with it. And here we are. Um, I think it's eight weeks, nine weeks now. We've had the doors of the academy closed. So, yeah, it's definitely been a, um, you know, a, a, a tough time for everyone. I mean, we're, you know, we're just a. A business. I know there's people out there doing it real tough, far, far worse than than we are as a nation, and you know, way worse than a, a, I am as an individual. But you know, and I respect that. But it's yeah, it's it's throwing its challenges up for for everyone globally. Did you did you think that it was ever going to be as bad as it was? Because I I remember at the beginning, I was kind of making jokes about it. I I seriously was. I was I I had just gone to a trip. I I'll, I'll say I dodged the bullet. I I went to New York which is now the epicenter of this this whole virus. So I came back a week before uh, everything shut down and through South Korea, which was at the time another epicenter of it. And I, I remember coming back and making all these jokes like people are wearing masks, people are crazy. Um, I actually, which I don't know if I should say, but I actually came to the gym the first day I came back from the states and you know it, it was a bit of a laugh to me um and then i read an article the next day and 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 basically said if you don't follow the 14-day quarantine period uh there's like twenty thousand dollar fines and i i actually had my gym shorts on ready to go that day as well but as soon as i read that i was like yeah oh, i don't really <laughs> want to be 20k lighter um yeah did did you ever think it would i guess get out of control the way it has. I mean, especially when I look at gyms uh, like yourself, you know, you've you've dealt with outbreaks before in the sense of like staff. Yeah. Right? And, you know, you, you sort of go, okay, yeah, there, there's a high chance that people get staff, but you can just go to the doctor and kind of get it fixed up and, and you know, business continues as, as, as usual. Um, yeah. Did, did you find that? I don't think that I, I don't think I ever expected it to get quite the the, the way it is. You know, it's the, the, the likes of the you know comparing it to a, a staff outbreak or whatever. These are you know these are things that, that that do run. You know, winter especially where we live here, Sydney, you get flu, cold and flu season, and you know it's a very seasonal thing. Um, you know, the staff outbreaks come, they can come any time in a gym, but particularly in the summer, the hot, the humid weather. But these are these are things that we know how to manage, we're familiar with, we understand. We, you know, we know that we can go to the doctors, we can get a tablet for it, we can get a shot for it, and we can, you know, we can sort of 
you know, get on top of it very quickly and it's, you know, it's non, non-life-threatening. Um, and I think the big thing at the beginning with the, 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 the COVID virus was that, you know, it was very hard to, to really have any sort of understanding of it because the experts had very limited knowledge of it. They had very limited understanding of it. And, you know, at the time we shut the gym, there was still the, the, the narrative running in the media that, you know, it's, it's kind of like a flu. You know, it's like a, a, a severe flu. It's like a pneumonia. Um, and that's obviously changed as the the, the the knowledge has grown of it and the understanding of, of, of cases, etc. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't... I certainly didn't foresee it becoming as, you know, as severe as it is, the, the, the you know, the horrendous loss of life that's, that's going on globally, um, as well as, you know, the, the impact it's had on so many people who... You know, personally, I've I've not known of any any of my network of people, you know, whether it's family, whether it's professional networks who who have been positive for the virus. Um, but almost every person I know has been impacted by this this pandemic, whether it's through work, whether it's through you know financial um, travel restrictions being you know being locked down not being able to follow the plans they had you know there's such a a huge impact on it that no I don't think you know honestly I don't think I, I foresaw anything like the, the severity like I say we <laughs> we genuinely thought okay we'll, we'll do a two-week shutdown we'll be extra cautious with it you know if it gets really bad that might be three weeks that was that would be terrible that you know that would be uh, that, that would suck and here we are eight weeks later with Still, you know, we've now got a little flicker of, of light at the end of the tunnel, but it's, you know, until we know how the, the easing of the restrictions is going to go here in New South Wales, it's it's impossible to say we'll be backing it up and running on this day or at this time. We just don't know. That's the, the reality on it. And is it something that the, the government, I mean, obviously the government have shut us all down. That's yeah. they, they were very big on that. They're like, business shut down, boom, we're done. Um, but... Are they also in, in communication with you guys as in to trying to let you know or are you just watching the news and going, I assume we're at stage two or stage three or how, how does that all work? Um, yeah, I mean, there's no direct communication. They're not reaching out to every single business, but, you know, you've got to follow the media. You follow the, the, the government announcements on it, um, you know, and then it's, it's, it's up to us as a business owners to to then go out and find the, the relevant information. And there's, you know, like everything, there's so much information out there. But for us, we're, you know, the, the government's got the three stages of lockdown um, restriction easing. The AIS, the Australian Institute of Sport, they've produced a, a return to play document, which is is their sort of guideline of when the sports can return and at what stages and what levels they'll be at with it. And, you know, it, it's then trying to piece together, okay, how does the AIS document match up to the federal document and, and are we going to, you know, are we going to see them aligning with it? So for us at the moment, uh, you know, my best interpretation of it, the, the AIS have got stage C, which will be when we can really get back to doing what we do in full, the you know the the person to person contact, the grappling, the even the you know for the kickbox and the tie box and holding pads and being within that distance, AIS have aligned stage C as a f- uh, a return to full contact, 
Um, so we, you know, we look at the the AIS doesn't cover every single sport, but they've got judo, they've got wrestling, they've got boxing. So we can align what we do very much alongside them. And for each of those, stage C will be when you can return to competition, and that's to the full contact competition. So that will be the point where we can, you know, we can get back in, we can get person to person contact again, and you know, at, at what point that's going to occur. Well, that's uh, I think that's the the unknown for everybody at the moment, including the government. They've they've said best case scenario that we'll move through stage one into stage two in a period of three weeks, and then stage two to stage three will be another three weeks. But if we see this massive outbreak of cases and the the numbers spike away back up again, then they're going to hold us on you know, on whatever stage we're at until we can get control of that. And the government said on the, the, the announcement, the Prime Minister said, um, you know, I think it was a week past Friday, he said that there was no intention to go backwards. When we move forward through these stages, there's no intention to go backwards. But, you know, it really does land on each and every one of us as a, as individuals to to play a role in the community and, and do the right thing and, you know, and respect the 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 situation that, that everybody's faced with. And, you know, hopefully we can we can move through this and return to a much more normal version of life than, than we're living at the moment. And it's hard because, you know, the, there's so many people say, you know, n- the new normal will be different to what we've known. You know, what does that mean for, for you know, for combat athletes and, and if, you know, any, any athletes, any sport that has full contact, but... Um, you know, the, we're seeing the, the, the NRL, the AFL, they're resuming the season. So it's going, obviously, they're top of the, the tree. Their players are in isolation. They're, you know, they're being monitored very closely. They're being tested. You can't do that with the broader community. But, you know, it's it's still, it's going to be dependent on how how the situation unfolds in the, you know, the, the, the coming weeks as to how quickly we get back and when we're allowed to, to resume the, you know, the full contact nature of what we do. And until then, obviously, you guys have started, uh, I think you started with Instagram live sessions um, and then moved across to Zoom. Uh, how, how, how was that whole experience? Because <laughs> I know for someone who likes, you know, that, that physical contact, um, it must be kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> I won't lie, it's, it's challenged me. It's definitely challenged me from, you know, the, the, the simple stuff of standing teaching to a camera in an empty gym with nobody there, with no feedback, no, you know, I, I very much when I'm coaching, I try and read people and, and keep them engaged and, you know, I'm trying to see, okay, what are they picking up on? And when you see those those blank expressions and the the jaws open when you're talking, you're like, right, I've missed these guys, I need to go back and I need to, you know, I need to reteach what I've just taught. Um, so it's very, very difficult with that. And as well, you know, doing the... Um, you know, but, but again, because of what we do, so much of it is relying on a partner, an opponent, uh, you know, another physical body there to work with. It's, you know, it's it's, it's tricky. It's a lot of drilling, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of technical practice. And we can still explain a lot, but over a video, it's it's difficult to see each individual and pick up all those details on where they're at, how they're doing with it, how's the... You know, where's the foot placement? Where is the step? And and you know, you correct them as best you can. But like we're you know, we're doing we're doing what we can with it. We're certainly trying to to give people something with it. And you know, back to what we we're just saying, I think we are as a country 
compared to you know a lot of countries in the world, we're moving very well. We're moving forward very quickly. Um, we've really managed to get a top on top of the, the the cases. So, you know, I think people can see a an end in sight for it, and they're happy to to stick out the you know the the less than ideal scenario of trying to do a little bit of kickboxing technique over zoom or trying to do some jiu-jitsu over zoom without a partner or whatever because they know that it's you know it's not far off although we don't know exactly when yet it's not far off but it's you know i'm finding as well the participation numbers when we started numbers were great there was loads of people joining on and, and stuff and and that started to to wane a little bit over the last three weeks as well and you know it's like you see so much stuff shooting about online of you know the Zoom meetings at work where people are sitting in the you know the shorts or the business suit on with it, and it's like, damn, I've got to put pants on today. You know, I think it's <laughs> for a lot of people who are working from home. The you know, maybe sitting watching TV at five o'clock, and then it's like five thirty. I got to get up. I got to clear some space. I got to log on to Zoom. I got to do my workout, or I can just watch another episode on Netflix. And you know that that motivation is hard, and that's it's such a big part of of, of people's psyche of coming to a gym. You know, you, <coughs> excuse me. You get the, you know, you get the, the the people who won't join a gym because they bought a treadmill for home, and they spent thousands on this treadmill, which would have been possibly two, three years worth of gym membership. And this treadmill sits in the corner, and they hang clothes on it in their bedroom, or they, you know, it takes up a, a parking space in the garage because there's no compulsion to use it. When you go to the gym, you're there. What else are you going to do? You're going to train. Yeah, especially if you've got a class and class is starting and the coach is there and they call you on, it's time to, you know, it's time to train. So to do it at home when nobody's going to pull you up there and then if you don't log on, it, it does make it hard. And I do try and keep people accountable and, and chase them up if I've not seen them for a few days or whatever. But, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's difficult. And everyone's like, you know, everyone's dealing with this whole situation in their own way. Some people are... You know, it's really, it is real tough for them. And then other people, it's, you know, it's nice. They've got a little bit of respite from the, the normal manic life. And, you know, they've got a little bit of downtime with it. And then there's everything in between that. So, you know, you've got to respect that, that a lot of people are doing, you know, doing okay in this situation and a lot of people aren't doing okay. And that's, you know, that's something that we're very, very conscious of. I think it's also a case that we really don't know anything about it you know it's like when when as i said when i originally got put into two weeks quarantine it was like sweet exactly that i'll, I'll watch netflix for two weeks and then the country goes on lockdown and then you're like okay well how much netflix can i actually watch before yeah. i start going crazy you know so i i, I think and and i remember uh, watching it in the news as well the first thing that well, i guess australians did i don't know about globally but as soon as that lockdown got uh announced suddenly everyone's at Dan Murphy's, you know, yeah. buying alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. But I, I guess it gets to a point there too. If, you, if you're, if you know, drinking a, a case of beer every two or three days and, you know, you get down to like two weeks down, three weeks down, there comes to a point where you're like, okay, well, maybe this isn't the, the, the right thing to do either. Um, it's it, it's fun and games for a little while, and then and then you kind of yeah. get to a point where you're like, I need to pull pull my finger out, right? But That's I get I guess with your sessions as well, um, do you do you find that they're more now fitness based? Uh, over technique and that's just purely because of the the conditions because i guess it would be easier to get 
someone to do, I don't know, burpees, squats, do all these kind of things, then, uh, as you say, w- working on techniques, especially the techniques that usually require a second partner, right? Yeah, um, you've got, I mean, look, we, the way we split the sessions up, we do, some sessions are purely conditioning, 30 minutes, let's get on and, and hit it hard, get a sweat on, bring the heart rate, and it's it's purely a fitness session. And then the, the there's some sessions that we do that are a bit more technique-focused, but we do try and keep a little bit of a, you know, a sweat element going with that as well, because people do want to feel like they've done something. You know, doing 30 minutes of pure technique work over video without that correction, without that ability to hit the bag, hit the pads, land the shot on your partner, get that feedback of... Right, I really see where this would be beneficial. This is where it would work. This is how, um, you know, how I can see it being effective on it. Then that's, you know, that's difficult. There's a lot of people struggle with that, and you know, so we we ju- we just try and find the balance. Some are technique with a bit of sweat in it. Some of them are just pure sweat sessions, and some people like that. Some people like to log on and just hit it hard, get the sweat on, feel like they've done a workout. Thirty minutes in there you know, they're good to go with it. And then the, the, there's other people who are really enjoying the the nature of the, the, the online technique. It's a little bit slower. It, it gives them time um, to, you know, revisit. And we've, I've spent a bit of time revisiting the fundamentals, just going right back to basics on it, which in a class situation can sometimes be a little bit harder. Um, you know, you've got, you know, so much going on and stuff, but it's, you know, it's nice. It's nice to be able to go back and do the basics. And I've had people who have been training with us for, you know, a few years that have come back and gone, it was really good to do that basics class again. You know, a lot of those people wouldn't come to the basics class in the gym because they feel that I've been here for a few years, I should be more advanced than that. When that's the only option they've got and the, they, they do it, they've actually come out and they've said, you know, this is good. I've, I didn't realise I'd missed that. I didn't realise that, um, you know, I was doing that wrong or, or that's a different way to do it or, or whatever. So it's, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's definitely positives coming out of it. There's positives coming out of everything with it. But yeah, it's... Is <laughs> is very different, and so also apart from running the gym, as we spoke about before, you you run obviously the longest running series of Winter Warrior, um, and when all this went down, you were eight weeks into the series. Yeah, we were we were just starting the ninth week. So we ninth so week. what happens with those guys? Like, are they just? Um, sort of encouraged to join in these Zoom sessions as well? Are, are they running their own Zoom sessions or are you just hoping that uh, every, everyone's keeping in some kind of shape for when when the uh, series can recommence? Yeah, look, when, uh, on the initial lockdown, we were still allowed to, to do groups outdoors of, of up to 10 people. Um, so we kept that going. And what I did was I just, you know, I scheduled the, the time slots and I just did back-to-back groups of 10 so there were, you know, people were rolling through and we were getting everyone an opportunity to get out and train. And then they, they pulled that back as well. And then there was that initial transition period. Um, you know, so there was a few online sessions that we did and, uh, and stuff. And then we locked in the, the, the regular Zooms for the guys. And it's not, you know, we're, we're not going to try and continue to run the program via an online platform. But we're... we're We've got a couple of sessions on which are specifically geared towards the, the, the Wimp to Warrior contestants. And, you know, it's, it's about keeping their fitness up, trying to keep them in shape and recapping, you know, a, a fair bit of the technique that they were already taught. And, the you know, the vision of that for me is I want to be able to bring these guys back as close to where we left off as I can. Now, we're obviously going to drop back a little bit, but 
you know, if I can keep them sharp and we can keep a, a, a base level of fitness there, then that's something that we can we can certainly work with a lot easier when they return instead of just throwing them to the wind and going, guys, stay in shape and we'll, we'll see you when this gets back. You know, they need that guidance throughout the whole programme. And right now it's, you know, the programme's on pause, but, the you know, their training's not on pause. They've got to keep working with it. We've got to keep these guys going. Well, that was actually going to be my next question on that is, like, once you recommence, where where does that pick up? Like, do you go, okay, we, we finished at week eight, we're starting at week eight, or do we bounce it back to week four, or do we just start the program again? Um, or, do we, or, or do you chuck on, yeah, it, it's 22 weeks now? 20. 20, 20 weeks. 20 weeks. Do you turn it into, say, a 26 or 27-week course again um, to kind of, uh, how, how does that work? Um, I mean, look, it's, you know, it's still, we're still working it out a little bit because it's, it's unknown and like we said earlier, the actual, the, 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 the return date is unknown yet. My, I guess my plan at the moment, I'm expecting, just based on what we've been able to do with them, they've got, there's another 12 weeks remaining of their programme now to come back in and try and pick up on week nine when we finished on week eight. It's, you know, it's not going to work. The you know that you got to remember this program is complete beginners. These guys, most of them, have never trained before they start Wimp to Warrior in martial arts, or they've done very very little. Um, so you know the the first eight weeks is where we really lay that foundation down, and we you know we we set the 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 good basics for them, which is going to carry them through. We need to refresh that with them. Obviously, we're not going to need to. Um, you know, take eight weeks to cover it again because now they're familiar with it. So my expectation is that we're going to bolt an extra four weeks onto the program. We'll use those first four weeks to revise everything that they did, bring it back up, make it fresh, make it sharp again, bring the fitness back up so that at the end of the first four weeks, I should be pretty much have, you know, most of that group back to the same point we were when we shut the doors. And then from there, from what will be week five, that would be the equivalent of picking up on week nine. And then from there, we'll, we'll roll through, put another 12 weeks out, and then, you know, do everything we can to get these guys the, the, the best finale and get them in the cage. And speaking of finale, are, are you concerned about that? Because the way things are going at the moment with, with the stages, it, it, it seems that, you know, say in another month, you can reopen, we can get back to it. But they, you know, when they talk about concerts, when they talk about live venues i mean at the moment they're saying cafe, uh, cafes and restaurants can open but only 10 people and a lot yeah. of and a lot of restaurants are going well it's it's not viable for us to open for 10 people um do you worry about getting to the finale and then n- still not being able to have a, a room full of 500 or uh, what was it or is it 700 that you get in? in yeah, so 600 odd people. Is, is that a concern? Do you, Have you given that some thought? Um, <laughs> is it going to be a case of what the UFC doing where there's no crowds and, and you end up streaming it for, for, for uh, friends and family to watch? What, what, what's the... It's, yeah, I mean, like this is, you know... Uh, I've been pretty, you know, pretty forward looking and very positive through this whole situation, but this is the one thing that that has given me a little bit of concern and has given me a little bit of stress with it. And we will run the finale. The finale will happen. And I don't want to sit here and sound like Dana White and I will make this event go ahead. But, you know, we will have a finale. 
right now, I can't guarantee that that finale will be like the last finale we ran. You know, I, I just don't know. I'm hoping that we get to a stage where things are moving so well and there's such a, um, you know, a positive impact from everything that, that is being done by everyone in the community that the government says, yeah, we actually we can open up these events again. We can have these people in a room and, you know, maybe we can have three, four, five hundred people back in an event. But I'm also very conscious of the fact that that might not be the case. And, you know, if we start again, best case scenario, like I said, six weeks time, and then we've got 16 weeks of training, you know, it's, you know, 22 weeks, five months from now that we'd be looking to hold the finale. It, I think it's very, you know, it'd be foolish of me to think that we're going to be back to everything normal as normal used to be so yeah I mean I've been putting a lot of thought I've been bouncing ideas I've been speaking to people that work in the events industry um you know speaking with the other coaches and, and just sort of working out like what's you know what are the options what can we do what what possibilities have we got with it and you know right now I've got I've got lots of things bouncing about um in my head of how we're going to do it I think doing you know as you mentioned as the UFC are doing like I enjoy watching those the, the, those cards with no audience, yeah, because I can hear the coaches. It's um, unbelievable. I'm listening to them, you know, as Joe Rogan kept going on about at the um, two four nine card, the noise, the sound, you can hear the fighters breathing, you can hear those shots landing. I love that. That's you know, for me, that's exciting. But those guys are top of the tree fighters. They've fought, you know, many, many, many times, and they're there. They're going to turn up and they're going to fight regardless. For Wimp to Warrior, as you know, such a you've done it such a big part of the, the, the journey is that that finale, that end piece of having those people there and for that one night, knowing what it feels like to be a rock star, knowing what it feels like to walk out in an auditorium that is deafening, you know, and this is I get goosebumps just thinking about it. The you know, the noise that we create at finales, it, it, it you know, there's this this thing happens when there's so much noise in the room, it just becomes like a, a crackle that you hear in your ears. You can't define the noises anymore. And, you know, the, the fighters walk out into that and they're cheering and they can hear their mates chanting their name. And, you know, that's that's such a big, big piece of what I want them to experience in that, that finale. Now, you know, I can't guarantee that, that I'll be able to give them that 600-person finale, but I want to I do something that we can definitely for the people who are fighting, they can have some of their friends and family in that room and they can have a, a number of people there who scream their name, who shout, who make the noise for them because, it, you know, you've been in that cage, you know what it's like. It's <laughs> When you hear that shout, sometimes that's just enough to take you through that moment and, you know, you, you just need that little bit of push. You need to get that energy from somewhere and hearing that shout, hearing your name getting yelled out, that's enough to give you that nudge and give you that edge and, and take you there. So, yeah... You know, I don't know what the answer is yet. I've got a lot of things that I'm I'm tossing up, and you know, I'll put multiple plans in place so that as we get closer to the time, depending on where we are, I'll have something that we can do for the guys. I can 100% agree with that. Um, I tell you right now, if there was no one in the crowd when when I I had my fight, obviously this is where Mick uh, <laughs> ordered a hit out on me. Where he he was actually coaching against me. Um, so let's hold on, hold on. Let's just let's just explain how this happens, though, right? So when I coach, uh, I, I coach all the fighters right up to the through the entire program with it, and on the very last day, we we basically draw straws to see 
which coaches end up in which corner. So there's there's absolutely no control from from our end of who goes where. And on that day, I get landed in the the the, the opposite corner from Dennis. And to this day, it reminds me at least twice every time we catch up. <laughs> Yeah, and it, and it's crazy because I mean that experience was totally wild, and 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 every coach I guess has different ways of firing up their fighters, and I was sort of going out there to dance where you just told him to hit first <laughs> and hit hard, and he did, um, and I can honestly say that if it wasn't for my friends and family in the crowd, uh, that that moment I, where he hit me with the illegal shot, and I had a moment to kind of think about it. I I can honestly say if that energy wasn't in the room, I probably would have called it because it wasn't looking good for me. Yeah, it, it, I I can be honest about that. It really wasn't looking good for me. Um, but you kind of sit there and you think about it and you're like, I have to do this, you know. And it, and it does, as you were saying, it 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 allows you to go to that next level. And um, you know. I mean, the way it all finished now, I, you know, I, I would have missed out on all of that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's, it's one of my fondest memories ever. Um, so I totally get the whole idea of having people in the room. Um, but it's, uh, as I say, if, if the government doesn't allow it, it, it it's, it's a tough one. Yeah. It really is. I mean, we'll, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. For me, you know, what were we, seven, eight years into Wimps Warrior, Eight years of getting up at four o'clock in the morning, going out, you know, getting to the gym, training, coaching, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. Don't, you know, don't misinterpret this for one minute. I absolutely love doing what I do. It's, you know, it's demanding. It takes its toll. Um, as you mentioned, you know, I've now, uh, uh, I've recently become a father again for the third time. You know, I've got three young kids at home. I've got a wife. We, we run the business of the gym. I coach at the gym pretty much every evening through the week. I coach there Saturday mornings, you know, so I miss, I miss a lot of stuff. I miss a lot of the wake-up time. I miss breakfast time. I miss bath time. I miss dinner time. Um, you know, through the, the new gym together, we were we were buried in there. Um, you know, we, we got very hands-on. We did as, as much of the work as we could to, to speed the process up with it. And that was right around the time that Ava, the, the, the new baby, she was born, so, you know, the first eight weeks of her life, I was, you know, I was very, very absent. And that's hard. And, you know, you go back, 2016, we opened the, the, the week we were moving into the first gym was the week that Benjamin, my second one, was due. That week, Martha was standing, my wife's standing there, massive big belly, you know, and I'm just like, please, not yet, not yet. We just, I just need a few more days to get this because we were in such a tight, tight turnaround on the, the, the first gym. You know, so <laughs> we've got this joke in our family that, you know, every time we we move to a new gym, Martha has another baby. So I've signed a hundred year lease on this gym. I ain't moving. That's it. No more babies. But the you know, the there's a lot there's a lot goes into to running Winter Warrior and you know, and I do I do genuinely love it. But where I'm going with this, what I'm saying is that the you know, that moment you just described, that moment of you know, you the, the quit was there, the option, the out was there, the door was open, but you chose not to take it. Well, that that was the one moment where I really have to say I had to find my why. Yeah, you know, and we talk about this a lot is why, why are you here, why are you doing it? But on the other side of that, that, that moment, you chose not to go out the door, you didn't walk out the cage, you stayed in there, and then 
you know, you had a, a, a an experience like you just mentioned that is one of your, your your fondest memories. It's something that you'll take with you to your grave. It's something that'll always be there. And what we do is transformational. And this sounds a little bit cliche and a little bit cheesy from the outside, but it truly, honestly, and there's enough people now globally around the world will put their hand up and sing from the hilltops about their experience and their journey with it. And I think that shows it's not just... It's not just about, you know, it's uh, it's not me sitting here saying, yeah, it's me, I transform people. I it, The vessel is Wimp to Warrior. Wimp to Warrior is the, the vessel that, that takes people on this journey. And the coaches are, you know, yeah, we're an important part of it. But, you know, there's people in Sydney are doing it. There's people in Dublin are doing it. There's people in Glasgow are doing it. There's people in, um, you know, Canada, Montreal, Florida, you know, globally, all over the states now, there's, there's programs running, and these people are having the same transformations throughout the world, and that's, you know, that's the important part of it. And getting in the cage and having that 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 experience at the end, it's not the only reason that you'll do Wimp to Warrior. It'll probably, most likely, it'll be the reason you start. And for some people, look, for some people, <laughs> they start saying they absolutely do not want to fight; they just want to come and train. And by the end, they're begging, please coach, please coach, can you let me in? I want to have a fight, I want to do it. Because they get so hooked in on it. But, you know, that 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 transformation piece, that that moment, and it's it's about when, the, when you get that opportunity to learn something about yourself, when you get to push through that moment. And this is what I say, and this is what, you know, this is what combat is, this is what fighting is. You... That when you're in there, when it's you and your opponent, and it's one on one, there's no, there's nobody else. There's nobody to fall back on. There's no backup plans. There's no safety nets. There's no, um, you know. Oh, sorry, if I drop this, then my team members will pick it up. Sort of thing. It's you, and that's the moment I think you experienced was it, it, it relied solely on you, and you walk out of that, and you know that that was on you. Yeah, and that fight could have gone either way. It could have been very different outcome for both of you, but it went the way it went, and that's fighting. You know, that's what it is. You you played the right card at the right moment, and you you pulled the technique that you drilled over and over and over and over again, and it worked. And it worked like clockwork, and you got the win from it. Yeah, um, and you know you you get to take that away, and it teaches you so much about yourself. I believe just being able to be there and. You know, to have that moment and, and get that transformation with it, and you know, I don't want to, I don't want to see people miss out on that moment of it. So, you know, with the finale, yeah, I'll look, I'll bust a nut trying to, you know, trying to, trying to get the the, the best finale that we can get for these guys throughout the, the situation and what it looks like. Like I say, you know, I really don't know yet, but we'll definitely, you know, we'll definitely have something on that will give people that opportunity to to have the the best experience that they can. And talking about uh, people originally joining, going, I don't want to have a fight, and then as you go on, I think I think that's a case of you know, even though you you always advertise that it's to do with no to as little experience as possible, I think you do sometimes walk into this gym. I mean, our our series, we had people like Jared and stuff who 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 have competed in Ironman and 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 whatnot, and you kind of look around the gym, you're like, oh, it's it's a bit daunting because you feel like, okay, maybe I'm the only one who has no experience because you're walking into there as a total noob, right? Yeah. And then as the series goes on, you start to realise, okay, yeah, someone played rugby when they were at school or someone did this, but 
when it comes to the martial arts, you, you start to figure out that, hey, hang on a sec, we're all on the same journey in a, in, in a sense. And I think that's important to mention because, you know, I, I mean, even when, when it comes to tryouts and stuff, you, you must get a lot of people that are just even hesitant to, to turn up on that first day because they, they feel like, uh, who am I? Whether it's overweight people, whether it's... And, and, and that's the crazy thing. I mean, some of, some of uh, the stories that you guys have had is, what, 40 kilos? Yeah, I mean, we've had people lose, you know, 30 kilos in a series, 40 kilos in a series. Um, La- last series you had... Uh, was it last series you had a guy 60 t- 62? Yes, Foss. Foss right. was 61, 62 years old. Um Oldest competitor that there's been, you know, in the uh, in any Winter Warrior series in the world, um, stepped in the cage at 62 years old, and again he was an Ironman athlete. He's achieved some outstanding, incredible feats with it, and then decided that the next challenge was Winter Warrior, and he's um <laughs> and what a challenge it was. Yeah, like, on, honestly, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care if you've done Ironman or 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 whatnot. Like, what makes you think? I'm going to pick up <laughs> some gloves <laughs> at the age of 62. Like, it's it's yeah. just crazy. And I think he his opponent was 20... 20 years his junior, yeah. And look, the, the, you know, the, the, the reason that, that Foss, we call him Foss, so his name's Glenn, um, but his nickname is Fossil. So it became Foss. But, yeah, the reason, um, you know, the reason Foss actually did it, his daughter did the series before. And Bev, you know, Bev was, an, again, another outstanding story. She came, she had, you know, she was she was overweight from where she wanted to be. Um, she had a lot of stuff going on, you know, in her, her personal life outside. And just finding the gym, finding the, 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 the regular training, finding the community, finding the people that she was with, having a good support network around about her. You know, she, she made amazing transformation over the, 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 the 20 weeks, both physically and mentally. Um, and then, you know, she wanted to come back. She wanted to, to train with us again and, and do it all again. And through a couple of conversations that I'd had with her dad, he then decided, yeah, I'm keen to give this a crack and we'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, so they actually, father-daughter did it together. And that was, yeah, that was pretty incredible to watch as well. That was amazing. And yeah, Foscott Ernie fought um, Alan. So Alan was 20 years his junior and they put on, you know, they put on a hell of a fight. You know, they, they, they certainly did. Credit to both men. Credit to every single man and woman that, that, that ever makes that walk into the cage and does it. But, you know, those guys both put on a, a hell of a show. Um, you know, Alan took the win that night. He stepped up. He, yeah, he was a monster. He came out a different a different person that we'd seen through 20 weeks of training. And, yeah, he edged himself the, the, the win on that. But, um, yeah, I mean, Foss has actually just written written a book about his experience um so he you know he documented his journey on it and he's it, it's really good it's a good read he's written it from a competitor's experience um it's called do not go gentle and yeah he's put that out so it's, it's well worth picking up a copy of that and and having a read of the the book well hopefully i can get him onto this podcast one of these days because i'd actually like to yeah. probably have a word yeah, to him about it and uh but uh yeah, and it, and it's just amazing as well that some people will do it and they'll they'll check the bucket list, and and be done with it. Um, some people have obviously begged you to come back, and that obviously creates its own problems because you don't want to put someone now with experience 
against, say, yeah. someone that's doing the series for the first time, but then you, you obviously had the returning Warriors, which is always a little bit of fun. And yeah. then it, it's funny seeing some of these other guys who have used this to kind of kickstart potentially a career. And, and, and what I mean by that is the, the two names that come to mind is uh, Danielson, Obviously, he's he's fighting out Adelaide now, and I see him quite active in 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 you know regional circuits. And I think DJ is fighting out of Canberra now. Yeah. And last year he actually fought for for a title. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's an amazing platform to you know to kick off from. Um, it takes you from a, a a complete beginner, and it it gives you a springboard into the world of MMA, and you're going to get a a, a a genuine, honest taste of what it's like. You know, it's you, you're in the guts of it. You're in a hard fight camp. You're going through the motions with it. And, you know, I always say to people that if, you know, the likes of myself, when I started training in martial arts, there's, you know, there's periods I had where I would go to training and I'd get beat up. And I'd go back again and I'd get beat up again. And mentally that takes its toll. And then you would have a little drift off and you know you'd maybe take a few weeks off and then you would go back into it and you know you get that natural ebb and flow where you come in and out of it and, and over time that builds up and people stick with it when to warrior you don't get that time off you're in there every day so it's it's really going to tell you do i like this do i want to do this at that level or not you know and that's uh that, that, that's the you know, the, the, the real platform. And for some people, it genuinely is. They know on day one that this is a one and done. They want to do this. They want to tick the box. And maybe they'll keep training a little bit beyond, but they're certainly not intending on, you know, aiming a, a career as a fighter of it. And then you get the people who are adamant on day one that this is it. This is the start of, of, of me becoming a fighter. Um, and, you know, some of them don't even make it past week two, week three. So it's, yeah. You never know. That's the thing. You genuinely just never know quite who you're going to get, what they're going to do when they step in the door, and are they going to live up to, you know, what they say they're going to live up to. And so now moving forward, we're going to open back up. I guess. Um, it, it, are you implementing your own kind of like three three phase uh, open procedure, or is it when when the government gives you green light, it's just open doors? Or what? What I mean by phases is it going to be, you know, you open up. Um, and for instance, do the strength and conditioning because we know we can wipe down the gym equipment. Yeah. Uh, then maybe do pad work and have like the jujitsu come in last because obviously it is the most. Or is it just once we get the green light, we're going to go? Um, yeah. Look, it's you know it's very difficult to. Again, you know, I've been sitting with Tiago. We've been planning lots of different scenarios on it. Um, you know, the, the the restrictions on numbers are really going to be the the biggest thing with it and like you know like so many other businesses at the moment the cafes the bars they're in stage one of the the restriction easing but they're limited to 10 people you know if you've got a a bar or a cafe with let's say a cafe with a capacity of you know 50 people and you can only have 10 in it your you know your your overheads are designed to be paid by 50 people seated and turning those 50 people over you know, several times through the, the, the breakfast period, through the lunch period. So for those people, it's not commercially viable for them to reopen at the moment. And we sort of need to look at that as well, you know, with a, a restriction of 20 people in the gym and not being able to have the, you know, the, the, the physical contact that is so integral in what we do as our core business, you know, there's going to be a lot of modification with it. 
And, you know, we, we really need to speak to the members and the, the students and, and find out, are they keen to come and do a no-contact version of jiu-jitsu and kickboxing? Do they want to do that? And are they going to use it? And if people are going to use it, then we're going to offer it, you know. But if people are like, look, actually, you know, I don't really want to come into the gym just to drill on my own and not touch anyone and not have any contact because that's that's the jiu-jitsu I know and that's the jiu-jitsu I love. And, you know, when I, when I do my striking, I want to hit pads and I want to spar and we can't do any of that, then... You know, we we got to listen to what the people want. If they're not going to use it, then you know we probably we probably won't open the doors at the the, the first call of stage two. Um, but like I said, everything going good. Stage two would would be three weeks, and then we'd be on to stage three, which is the point where we can reopen and we can do, you know, what what people basically what people signed up for. And it looks like we're heading in the right direction, as as mentioned earlier. The the UFC not only had one card, um, they marched forward and and did three cards in one week, which what an is just week like it's been for right. Fans. It's, it's and, been and, and, <laughs> and the best thing about it too is everyone's got time to actually watch them because they're just sitting at home looking for something to do. So I I, I have to say the first one you were kind of like watching, and then they had that that little bit of a scare with um, Yakiri, yeah. Um, and you kind of patiently sit on the sidelines and you're like, but look, the last two have gone off without a hitch and it seems like they've they've done pretty well with it. Um, yeah. As mentioned before, it's a totally different experience. Uh, I, I'm I'm the same. I'm enjoying the fact. To, to the point, uh, before we go through some of the fights, I really feel now they need to make the McGregor-Diaz 3, <laughs> right? And, 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 and it's not even because it's one apiece. It's just like, I want that fight with no crowd. Because <laughs> could you just imagine the amount of smack talk oh. <laughs> you, you, you would get in, in that fight alone? Like, I, I just think, let's do number three right now yeah. because I would love to hear what they say to each other from across the cage, right? And, and that's the only reason I reckon they should push that fight straight away. It probably won't happen because they're already talking about Gaethje... Uh, Khabib and then kind of getting the winner of that but yeah. I'm just like hey listen before we put the crowds back into the stadium let's just, yeah. Let's yeah. just <laughs> do it right and if you're not going to do that I, I would say Tony and and McGregor because they like to talk too but yeah. I, I just I, I want to have one trash talk and fight <laughs> while there's no crowd yeah I, I hadn't thought of it from that angle definitely from the you know from the, the shots landing and the breathing and hearing the athletes and hearing the corners it's fantastic but yeah, that's a different spin on it. That's definitely that's definitely a plus that we need to, you know, we need to take advantage of because it's they're certainly not going to do this ongoing if they don't have to. And so with two four nine, was there any kind of um, takeaways you you got from um, from that? Man, what a card! Is I mean, the, the I mean, my my takeaway was the best fight of the, the 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 card was the second one in that i i just enjoyed that that was yeah. uh mitchell versus rosa um and i just i was amazed i i i honestly thought i was like what's going on here is 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 it a jujitsu guy versus a guy that hasn't been to the ground before in a sense um and then you've come to find out Rosa's actually a black belt as well and it's just like wow yeah i think yeah i mean it was yeah uh, Outstanding fight, and I think the whole card, you know, that's a, the thing we'd been, um, you know, we've been deprived as fight fans. We had, we had a great start to the year, I think, from 
you know, the second weekend in January, I think we had five weekends in a row of uh, of UFC cards, which was was excellent. Um, and then there was the the gap on it, and then we came to, to two forty nine. And like you say, there wasn't a bad fight on that card. You know, some of the fights that were on the prelims cards could quite easily have been main card fights, and possibly even the you know a main event fight and a a fight night card. But the whole card was stacked start to finish. And yeah, I mean, there was so many. So many good fights on it, but what about what about that main event? What about um, Ferguson and, and Gaethje? It was just, you know, outstanding. That, that was coach. always going to be a good fight, um, and a bad fight, depending on which way you look at it, because I was kind of look, looking at it going, I don't want neither one of the two to lose. So mm. it was kind of like a win-win or a lose-lose, whichever way you looked at it, but it was brutal. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, from a... You know, from the 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 you know the the armchair fan who likes the the shots landing and the you know the blood splatter, they they got what they wanted from it. From a you know a technical fight fan's perspective, the way Gaethje adjusted his game, you know, instead of going in all guns blazing, throwing a little bit of caution to the wind to do it, he adjusted. He knew he couldn't do that with Ferguson, and he still went and he still took the fight. Don't get me wrong, but he um. He knew when to hold back a little bit. He knew when to just, you know, create that distance and, and get his step. And, and then, you know, when he did shut the distance, some of the shots he was landing were just, you know, huge, huge shots. And and that's that's where we saw Ferguson just wear it. You know, he wore shots that I'm pretty sure most other opponents would have been would have been lights out. And he, you know, he took it literally took it on the chin and kept pushing forward. Like, yeah, you got me and what it was. Yeah, it was a hell of a fight to watch. Co-main event, what do you think? Remind me, who did we have? The Cejudo and yes, Cejudo Dominic, Dominic Cruz. Cruz. Oh, man. <laughs> well, um, yeah, Cejudo fought very well. I'm not a huge Cejudo fan. He just, you know. Captain he, Cringe. He should just stop talking. <laughs> but as a as an athlete, as a combat athlete, you cannot take away from him what he did. He was phenomenal with it. Um, you know, in terms of the, the I, th- I guess the big controversy on that has been... Dominic Cruz, I was getting back up. You shouldn't have stopped to fight with it. You watch the replay on it. You, you know, it was on his knees. He took multiple shots without covering, without defending. And it's, it's back to this old old piece that the referee has to do what they believe the best thing to do in that moment. And it's, you know, it's not a job I would ever thank you for as, as a referee. It's such a tough call to make. And you know, I believe I believe the referee made the right decision in that moment. Now, so if we were going to go back and watch replays, you could argue it, but I believe in that moment because thinking of it from the perspective of if he hadn't stopped it, you know, and in the the, the case that that one extra shot had got through, the damage had been done that was irreparable on it. It would have been a you know there'd have been an outcry of of lynch the referee because you know he, he didn't stop the fight and let the fighter take damage on it so. You know, it's one of those ones you're never really going to win with. It. See, my, my, my kind of take on that one was if it happened mid-round, I'm totally happy with that decision. If there was like a minute 30 left, I'm totally happy with that decision. Getting up, not getting up, it was the right call. With two seconds to go, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of feel like they could have let it go back to the corner. Whether he answers the bill or not, I, I just think, you know, and, and, and I don't even feel like you, you can make the argument you didn't hear the clapper 
Yeah, obviously oh, no 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 crowd and and you know it's no it's they acknowledge and you, know, you see the ref and that clapper goes the ref gives a little nod that yep I got it you know so so it was for me it was literally that it was yeah a good call but being two seconds out I just feel like unless he went out or you know or something like that I I, I feel like it could have gone I that do, extra you know two I seconds. do agree it was a championship fight it was a title fight there's always that but then let's flip. Ahead to Wednesday, let's look at the the Glover Teixeira Anthony Smith card. The referee let that go. Anthony Smith sat on the stool, and you heard the commentators on the fight saying, "Stop your fighter! Do not send your fighter back out there." And they put him back out, and you know he was a mess. He was an absolute mess, and you know uh, it goes by the, the moniker of Lionheart. The guy will not quit. And fighters at that level on a main event, they, they will not quit. They won't give up on it. They Sometimes they don't know that they need to quit. They don't know that it's time to stop. And that's the hard part. So, you know, all respect to Herb Dean as a referee for making that call, even on the two seconds, because, you know, had he sat on the stool, not knowing what way was up, what way was down on it, then, you know, it goes back out. It takes, you know... The, the worst case, he takes some damage that, that, that does that has a long-term effect on it. And then again, we're, we're back to that old, it should have stopped it, it should have let it go. So, yeah, look, uh, you know. Or it's a game of shifting blame, you know. Yeah. The ref puts it to the corner, the corner doesn't stop it, then it, yeah. it, 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 it then it's on the corner, you know, and, and it goes back and forth. But with that Anthony Smith fight, um, he's obviously come out and defended his corner. He said, listen, mm-hmm. I've always said I want to go out on my shield and this and that, but... You being a coach as well, like, is there is there a moment that you go, look, we've had these these talks in the in the locker room. We've 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 made it clear that you know you go out on your shield, or but when because uh, I, I think the commentators were even saying from round two onwards it was like ten eight rounds, yeah, ten eight rounds, ten eight rounds. Is is there a point that you go, you know what? I want my fighter to fight another day. And I'm not saying Anthony Smith's not going to fight another day, but sometimes when you get a beating that bad, you don't come back yeah. as the same fighter. Um, you know, I, I, I always look back at the Robbie Roy and McDonald. Roy McDonald. I, I, I don't think he ever came no. back the same fighter. Incredible fight. It's probably going to go into history as one of the best fights. Yeah. But it, it, it just really is hard to come back from. So is there a point that... Do, do you feel that the corner is making the right decision there? Um, man, look, it's hard to say. When you're working with the, the athletes at that level, main event, you know, title contenders, it's, you know, it's very, very hard on it. For me, you know, a coach that I, I look up to a lot, respect massively, is um, Duke Rufus from you know Rufus Sport and you know he's been known to make that call he's he's pulled the pin on on fighters in that that situation so you do see it happen at the the top level but you know for me and certainly you know even more so with the Winter Warrior guys they you know I've never had to make that decision yet and we you know Winter Warrior we're, we're so far down the, the the scale of caution um that you know they, they're never allowed to get to that stage where we need to make that decision but um yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I, I've not been in the situation with a fighter yet, and you know, I hope I never have to because it, it means that things are going pretty bad. But I'm sure it will happen one day. But yeah, I'll put, you know, I'll put the fighter's safety ahead of of, of that every day. On it, I'll I'll make that call and I'll I'll do that, and that's my job. That's what I'm there to do. And if you know, if I believe it's the right thing to do to protect that fighter and look after them at the time, then 
then do it. But yes, situation, you know, situation's very different. The longer you fight a fight's for you, the more you know them. You know, what's the scenario? Are we fighting an amateur circuit fight just to, to tune up? Or are we, you know, uh, are we fighting for a contract to move into a big league? It's, you know, it's situation dependent how far you let a fighter go. It wasn't a title fight. Yeah. And he's handing teeth he's to handed the referee. The teeth, yeah, he handed teeth to the referee. And talking of smack talk, did you hear what they said when the... I watched the replay and I, I repeated it. So when it just after he handed the teeth, um, Smith says to to Tashira, he said, um, "What was it? I can't remember." But one of them said, "Oh, you know, it's all part of the." That was it. Um, he says, you know, it's part of the game. It's all part of the game. It's what we do. And he's like, you know, it's all right. Don't worry about I it. I do remember that. I actually thought, though, he was saying that to the corner. I didn't... I no, didn't they were talking to each other. Okay. I watched it. I went back and all rewatched right. it. And he's saying, you know, it's rough. It's something like, yeah, it was rough. And he said, you know, it's part of the game. It's all good, brother. You know, so... Yeah, I mean, little things I mean, like that. I mean, true warriors. I mean, you'll never be... And that's what I mean. Like, whether he... They stopped that fight or not. Like, as you said, Lionheart. He, true warrior. Mm. It's it, it was just hard to watch. Yeah, very tough. And then um, I guess we'll move on to today. Another sort of s- semi-hard one to watch for totally different reasons. Um, Walt Harris versus the uh, Overeem. Yeah. Uh, once again, for me, that was another win-win-lose-lose. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to back Walt just obviously all the things that he's been through. Um, but then you've got the birthday boy as well. So you're like, well, you don't want him to lose on his birthday, right? <laughs> so it was kind of like, do you give it to the birthday boy or do you, you yeah. know, but... Um, I mean, the Reem's a legend. You know, he's been around for so long. He's, you know, he's amassed so many fights. He's fought in so many different disciplines. He's been champion. He's been UFC champion. He's been K1 champion. He's, you know, he's a, he's a true legend of the sport and he's, you know, he's been there and done it all. He's, I think his experience really shone through today. Um, you know, you know, just horrendous what what Walt Harris has been through in terms of his the, the the you know the situation and the loss of his daughter, and you could see the emotion was running real high at the the end of it. But the respect, I think, you know, and this is what this is what I wish more people who want to talk down our sport and and badmouth you know a, a, as a, a you know a, a mindless violent escapade. It's you know, you see the respect that those fighters had for each other. You see the minute that it was called off, the respect that Overeem had for Walt and the, you know, the immediate comfort and all of them and, and just, you know, it's just, yeah, it's amazing to watch those guys and see see so much, you know, so much honour being displayed and, and looking after each other and stuff like that. Even to the point before the fight, um, the weigh-ins and then when they got... Uh, told to touch clubs at the beginning and then Overeem yeah. reaches in for the hug. Yeah. And, and I was actually kind of worried. I was like, oh, are we going to get like a dead fight now? Like I kind of felt like there was too much respect going into it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, are they just going to play around? And then, you know, Walt came in and, and put Overeem into a little bit of trouble right yeah. early on. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a big and, and then well done to Overeem, I guess, for for hanging in there. And, and as you say, the experience takes over. And, and, and again, you know, Dan Mergola, some phenomenal refereeing there again. It's you know I was watching it thinking, damn, is this going to get stopped? Is Overeem done? Is this, is this it? And you know, superior refereeing. He knew exactly where the athlete was at. He knew exactly how how far to let him go. And you know, he came back and he was fine from it. And and again, you know, I don't think there would have been, you know, it would have been a, a an upsetting call for Overeem, but. 
I think watching it on video, if that fight had been stopped at that point, I think most people would have gone, yeah, okay, that was a stoppage. That was fair enough. So, again, toughest job in the sport, referee. I wouldn't, I wouldn't thank you for it. And last thing before we get out of here, have you seen the clips of Mike Tyson? Yes. Hitting it's pads. in the news today that he's in talks with Evander Holyfield about a, a rematch well, on it. I've heard the two. So the, the, they want to do the number three, Holyfield. And yeah. then I think the guy from uh, Bare Knuckle Boxing announced that he was going to um, get Tyson versus Shannon Briggs. And I'm just like, these guys don't want to hit with, with no, Bare Knuckles. I, I, I think Tyson hit him with Bare Knuckles. I, 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 I yeah. honestly think that's a lawsuit waiting to yeah. happen, right? Yeah. But at his age, how impressive. Ah, oh, it's phenomenal. You know, the speed, the power, the accuracy he's got is just... Yeah, it's next level, and I've seen a few videos this week since that's the, the, the that that video of uh, Tyson's been released. You know, a few people copying and emulating the, the the same combination on the pads, and it's just like man, it's night and day. You know, the level Tyson's at is just you know he's Tyson. <laughs> but and with the with the copying as well, it isn't just you know me and you copying. Like I've been seeing pro fighters copy. Yeah, you know, or even when when. Um, you see the clip of Tyson giving pointers to uh, Francis and, and stuff, and it's it's like ingrained into him. And it's just so weird that at his age, he's still moving. The way he is. Yeah. The way he is. It's unbelievable. It's Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch. It really is, but do I want to see him go back in that ring? No, absolutely not. Please don't. It's just, you know, I don't, even I don't for, think Even for the, the Holyfield one? It doesn't need to look at look at um, Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell. You know they wanted to come back. They but they, to they they weren't moving that way. Yeah, <laughs> they weren't moving that way. Chuck Liddell, Chuck Liddell's not moving that well at all. He's, he struggles to walk. But yeah, I mean, look, I just you know, it's yeah, I don't know. Dana White even said he was going to come out, and if you know if there was truth behind the rumors of Tyson making a comeback, he was going to make a counter offer for him not to do it. And apparently they're good friends and stuff. So. Yeah, I kind of agree with it. I just think don't, you know, don't go out there when you don't need to now. Don't tarnish the, the, the legacy that you've left of, you know, people remember you for what you were. And, you know, at 53, as impressive as that is, he's not going to be the Tyson that he was when he was 23. You know, you can't be. It's it's just not possible. So, you know, personally, I like to have that, that shiny memory left in the... Uh, as the last thing that we saw of him, you know, he, when he was at his peak, and that's how he's he's remembered. We, you know, we don't really need to see him go back in. He's got nothing to prove. He's got nothing to prove. And yeah, he he really doesn't have anything to prove, and um, it'd be just interesting to see what happens over. Yeah, you one know. to watch for sure. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. Uh, I'll let you get out of here. Um, Thank you. It's been you a know, pleasure. Where 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 can people find you if if they're wanting to inquire about, I guess, training at the uh, academy, and also if they're wanting to get a glimpse of of even the Winter Warrior program. Yeah, well, you can find us on um, Instagram at Warrior Training Academy um, at Legacy. Northern Beaches, you can check out. We also run the Winter Warrior program in Sydney CBD at uh, the the Legacy headquarters. So check out Legacy Jiu Jitsu, um, and the the Winter Warrior program you can sign up for on WinterWarrior dot com. So yeah, get on, check them out. 
have a look at them and reach out. I'd love to hear from you. I cannot say thank you enough. And we out. I'm away. I'm away. Why?